now look at Romans chapter 15, verse 30. We're picking up where we left off last time. Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Now, I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. So, Paul is, is, is writing this letter to the Romans. It's to a church that he's never been to, remember? And, and, uh, he says, I urge you, brethren, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God. Strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. So he speaks, Paul speaks of prayer as striving. It's interesting. It's not just, Lord, I, I, I pray your blessing, your will be done. Amen. Okay, I'm good. I pray. It's not that. It's not that. For Paul, it's not that. It is a striving. There's a, there's this, 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 uh, uh, this, this fight that's involved in prayer. We get this, this feeling that prayer is just, you know, you say a little prayer and you've done your job. Paul says it's a striving. I mean, if he, being a, an apostle, looks at this as a striving. This is a big deal. And he says, strive with me. And he says, now I urge you, I urge you. This is, this, this is just, you know, I'm pushing you in this. It's not like, well, if you happen to do it, it'd be all right. No, he says, I'm pushing you in this. I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit. You're not doing this on your own. You're doing this by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. This whole thing has to be intimately connected with God. The whole thing is connected with God. If we try to strive in prayer on our own, we will get tired and frustrated with it on our first session. It has to be something that's intimately tied with knowing Jesus and having fellowship with him. He says, he says, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, you will only be able to love people accordingly when you take it in the Spirit. In other words, if you say, oh, I'm, I'm going to love the saints, I'm going to love the brethren. Well, that's great if you can do it. I mean, what happens when they're not lovely anymore? What are you going to do? And then you love them by the power of God. I often pray, Lord, give me your love for that individual. I don't find all individuals equally lovable. I don't. Uh, and so what I have to do is I say, Lord, give me your love for this person. Let me see them through your eyes. And then you know what happens? Go figure God answers prayer. He begins to change my heart toward this individual. This can even happen in relationships. This can happen in marital relationships. Where you say, Lord, give me your love for this individual. There can be such stress in a Christian marriage that you wonder, I don't even love this person anymore. But remember, marriage is not based on your love for another individual. It's not. 
Because love can fall in, love can fall out. It's based on a commitment. I've made a promise to this individual and I've made an, a, pro- a promise to God. And then what happens is the love follows. The love follows the commitment. The commitment comes first. The love follows. He says, if you do this by God, then you'll persist in this. If you say, you know, I'm going to help out in the church, I'm going to serve, that's, well, that's great. But you will become tired of serving. You'll become tired of this unless you have a depth of relationship with Jesus Christ. Service comes out of relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. He says, you strive together with me through your relationship with Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit. In the Holy Spirit, we can get love. He says this has to be wrapped around, everything has to be wrapped around Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit. He says, strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient. So he's asking God to rescue him from those who are disobedient. So Paul is going into Jerusalem. Paul has been warned about what's going to happen in Jerusalem to himself. So he's been warned about this. And so if you look in Acts chapter 20, verse 22, Acts chapter 20, verse 22, it says, And now behold, bound by the Spirit, this is Paul speaking, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. So every city that he was visiting en route to Jerusalem, When he is speaking here in the book of Romans, he's speaking about the same trip he's talking about in the book of Acts. That he's on his way to Jerusalem. And he says, every city I go to, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit testifies to him, solemnly testifies to me in every city saying, bonds and afflictions await me. Paul, when you go to Jerusalem, bonds and afflictions await you when you go to Jerusalem. Acts 22, verse 24 says, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus, to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. So here the Holy Spirit is warning him, when you go to Jerusalem, bonds and afflictions await you. And Paul's response to this is, that I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself. But I have to finish my course in the ministry, which I receive from the Lord Jesus. You know what happens? You can go into ministry, and when things get hard, you think, well, God doesn't want me here. Or God's warning me about problems that are going to arise. The, that He warns us about problems that are going to arise, are going to arise, or that we find ourselves in problems that have arisen, does not necessarily mean that we back out. In verse 36 of Acts chapter 20, same chapter, Acts chapter 20, now jumping down to verse 36. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. I mean, these people realized it. Paul said, you're probably not going to see me again. Paul realized something was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. He had no details of what it was other than bonds and afflictions await him. 
So he was warned by the Holy Spirit. He was also warned prophetically. In Acts 21, verse 8, Acts 21, verse 8, it says, On the next day we left and we came to Caesarea, and entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. So he says, "We." so as you're going down and you're coming toward uh, 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 Jerusalem, you're going to stop first in Caesarea, which is along the coast. It's along the Mediterranean coast. I've been there. It's in, you can go to Caesarea to this day. And he, he goes to Caesarea, and it was a thriving city at that time. And Philip the Evangelist was there. You may remember Philip from earlier on in the book of, of Acts. He was the one who was, God picked him up and just dropped him down, and he witnessed to an Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch got saved, he got baptized, and then he picked up Philip and he, he dropped him back in some other city. It says, it's an interesting verse, in verse 9, Now this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. So they were prophets, or prophetesses, and they were four virgin daughters. That's an interesting thing. Then he points out that they were virgin daughters. Did you know that the scriptures always speak highly of virginity? Our culture doesn't, but the scriptures do. God always speaks highly of virginity. And we know from psychological research that people who spare themselves in their relationships for a future relationship in marriage have much healthier sexual relationships than those people who do not. And when you see women talking about how many guys they sleep around with and everything, and you think, oh, they must be terribly happy, we know from years of psychological research that that is a lie. They are much less happy that fulfillment comes through a relationship where there's a relationship with an individual that that relationship is specified for that individual only and it's for a lifetime. And much deeper, better relationships come through that. Sexual relationships come through that. The Bible speaks highly of virginity, always has. That's what God says. That is God's way. It is different than the world's way. Acts 21, verse 10. And as we were staying there for some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt, and he bound his own feet and hands and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So now we get a little clearer word than what we got in the last chapter. In Acts chapter 21... It tells us that not only are, are, are you going to be bound when you go to Jerusalem, but it, it says that the Jews are going to be the ones that are responsible for the binding, and they're going to be turning, then it's going to result in his turning over to the Gentiles. So he gives a little more detail. So prophetically, the word comes to him through this, and this word was fulfilled. So what was Paul's response to this prophetic word? Did he go, oh, I better not go to Jerusalem. No, he says in verse 12 of Acts 21, When we had heard this, we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, he fell silent. They, we fell silent the, and remarking the will of the Lord be done. So a prophet says, this is what awaits you. And Paul did not receive that as a message saying, don't go. He just said, God's warning me, God's telling me. 
This is part of life's struggles. I guarantee you, if you get married, you're going to go through struggles in your relationship. This happens. It happens in relationships. But does that mean, well, we should never get married because marriage can be tough? No. God is, it's something that God has ordained. Just because things are hard doesn't mean that you don't do it. Everything that's worthwhile is hard. Graduate school is hard. College is hard. Doesn't mean that you don't do it. It's something that you, that you go ahead and do. And, and, uh, but here it never says that you're going to be killed. Now, this has to be measured. There are other times, there are other times when, when God had spoken and, uh, and, and, and Paul responded that, to that in, in, in certain ways. There was a time when Paul was let down in a basket outside of a city wall because there were people that were going to kill him. There's another instance where, where people were going to uh, 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 kill some people in a theater and, and Paul said, and they urged Paul not to go into that theater. There was another instance that occurs later on after this, this, this work happening in Jerusalem. There was a, a band of, of 40 Jewish men that had committed themselves to not eat until they had killed Paul. And Paul told the Roman soldier and they put a proper guard around him. So all of this has to be guarded with prayer. But just because there's hardships that await us doesn't mean that we don't participate in this. When I was in Israel, one of the people that I met with was the the founder of the Christian embassy in Jerusalem. And he said, you know, with the stand that you're taking on this origin of life and your your presence on the internet, they're going to come very hard against you. I'm warning you. I'm like... Well, duh, what am I supposed to do with that? Do you want me to say, oh, well, then I'll stop saying it. Maybe I won't post any more videos then. What am I supposed to say? And I quoted to him exactly what Paul said. I'm willing not to just do this, but to die for the Lord. This is what's before us. This is what we have to do. If you are going to speak up about Jesus, problems will arise in your life. You keep your mouth shut and nobody will say anything. You'll not be bothered but you be of little service to the Lord. You open your mouth and people will come against you. People will write things on the internet and Twitter about you. And they're going to hurt your feelings. Well, get over it. This is part of Christian life. They said lots of things about Jesus. They mocked him. They, 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 they said that, that, uh, um, uh, that he was a deceiver. Over and over again, they said evil things about Jesus. This is part of Christian life. This is what he went through. So Paul is saying to them, he's urging them in Romans chapter 15, he says, stand with me in prayer. There's going to be things that I'm confronted with. Stand with me in prayer. He didn't just haphazardly take this. He, it, it, was, it was something that was, that was taken, taken with, with, with uh, uh, great protection. And then he says in, in Romans chapter 15, verse 31, that I may be rescued from those who are disobedient in Judea, and he was, he was rescued from those who were disobedient in Judea. And he was taken and he was taken over to, to Rome. And that my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. So he is asking them in verse 30 to strive with me together in prayer to protect me from those who seek my destruction. And that, that uh, my service for Jerusalem may prove acceptable to the saints. He wanted so badly for this gift that he had talked about earlier on in this chapter that he was about to bring to Jerusalem to be received by the Jews in Jerusalem. 
Why wouldn't they gladly receive it? Well, because there were a lot of rumors about Paul, as we, as you can read about in the book of Acts, when he does eventually go to Jerusalem, there were rumors about Paul that were not nice at all, that were even going around to, to the, the churches in Jerusalem, to the church in Jerusalem. Rumors about Paul that were not true. He says, pray that I'm received by the saints, by the believers who are there that they receive this gift, and that my service to them would be received. One of the things that that, that I spoke about with, with uh, uh, Mr. Netanyahu is, is I said, he, 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 I said, I just want to be a blessing to Israel. I want to be a blessing. He understood exactly what I meant, because there's so many Jews that want to be a blessing to Israel. He understood the purpose of why I'm starting all these companies in Israel, the purpose of why I'm building these things there. I want to be a blessing to Israel. This is, you see this heart's desire right there in believers, in believing Jews that believe in Jesus as the Messiah. They want to bless their homeland. Paul is doing all of this to be a blessing to their homeland. He said, pray for me that they would receive this blessing from me. And you see it right there in the first century, the roots of Paul, even though he was the apostle to the Gentiles, he was going about trying to bless Israel. That's what he was trying to do. And you see that over and over again today. So often the Messianic Jews, the Jews that believe Jesus is the Messiah, have a tremendous heart for the blessing of Israel, praying for the peace of Jerusalem. You see this exact same thing here. Now, in verse, in verse, uh, in verse 32, so that I may come to you in joy by the will of God and find refreshing rest in your company. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. He says, so that I can come to you in joy by the will of God. He says, look, I've got to go first to Jerusalem. Remember, he said earlier in this, cha- earlier in this chapter, my plan is to go first to Jerusalem and then I'm going to come and visit you. He says, because I've accomplished everything in this side of the Roman Empire that God has called me to do. I'm going to drop off this gift in Jerusalem and I'm heading back and then I'm going to head to Rome and see you. And when I see you, it's going to be by the will of God and I'm going to find refreshing rest. I'm going to find rest in your company. He found rest in the body of Christ. He found rest in the body of Christ. So often you find rest in the body of Christ. It's good to be alone at times, but you don't want to be alone all the time. You find rest often within the body of Christ. If you stay, say, well, I'm just going to stay home and I'll, I'll just, I'll just watch church from home. You know, we just do it by Zoom. It's so much easier, so much more convenient. You will never find that depth of fellowship as when you get together. Paul said, I'm going to find refreshing rest in your company. In your company. In the body of Christ, there is refreshing rest. In the body of Christ, there's encouragement and there's refreshment. I urge you to become part of a body of Christ, part of a local church, where you get knit in and you understand what that refreshing fellowship is, what that means. And then he says, now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. That's the benediction. Then he has the benediction. And then he goes, huh. And then he's... He has some more to say, and he goes into chapter 16. And we'll talk about that next time. So you see, you know, this is not a made-up letter. This is exactly how people write. Now, before they had word processors where you, you know, you just insert this here, and 
You didn't, you, you couldn't do that before. When I was growing up, you couldn't do that. You had typewriters. And, and, uh, you know, when, when you, you had an extra thought that you had to insert, either you didn't insert it, or you had to type everything after that, retype everything after that. You'd have to retype everything. Yeah, I mean, that's what we had to do. We had to retype everything because it, it didn't fit in there anymore. And so as this letter is being transcribed, he now has this extra thought and it fits in there. Okay, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. And I pray for these young people that you would put a fire and a passion in their hearts that they would learn to love you more, that they would learn to love God and honor him. Father, I pray for the unbelievers who are here that you would touch their hearts this day, that this day people would be saved so that they could come into the body of Christ and be refreshed, that Jesus Christ would be glorified. Father, your grace be poured out, I pray. Let Jesus be glorified. And Lord, I thank you because of what Jesus did for us on the cross and how he opens doors again and again for us. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Glory be to Jesus forever and ever. Amen.